This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is nine minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Uh, Lots to get to. A gray morning here in the Northeast. Uh, We had some technical issues trying to get on the air this morning, but we made it. Um, So we've got, uh, as I said, ton to get to. Uh, Tomorrow we've got coming up, uh, Sam Dossler is going to join us tomorrow. There's been a lot of talk about this Super Golf League. Uh, that some Saudi businessmen are trying to put together to compete with the PGA and the European Tour. Uh, the commissioner of the PGA has threatened uh, players that go this way with an immediate suspension and perhaps even uh, expulsion from the PGA Tour. Uh, it's going to get ugly if if this continues. I mean, look, we had the situation with the Super League in soccer uh, that got blown up very quickly. We'll see what happens here. But Sam Dosser is going to come on tomorrow morning and talk with us about that. And, of course, coming up on Friday, we're going to have Dan Zampano, uh, who's going to come in and uh, put a bow on the 2021 NFL draft and uh, kind of give us his report cards for how everybody did in the draft. So that's going to be Thursday and Friday. But let's start this morning. I want to say congratulations uh, to an old friend of mine, Patrick Sellers. Uh, Pat and I worked together at uh, Central Connecticut State University a number of years ago. Uh, he and Anthony Latina were assistant coaches for Howie Dickham, and uh, Anthony now the head coach at Sacred Heart. Pat uh, has been an assistant at uh, UConn. He was also an assistant at Fairfield University. He is going to be the new head coach at Central Connecticut State University, so I am very excited for Pat. Uh, it's going to be great to have him uh, in, in town again and uh, I'm going to reach out to him, but the news broke this morning in the Hartford Current, so very excited for Pat Sellers. Also excited, people that are fans of baseball. Minor League Baseball back last night for the first time since 2019. How about that? You know, we have not had uh, Minor League Baseball all of last year, and finally uh, they yelled play ball last night. The Hartford Yard Goats, the local team, started on the road um, at uh, Richmond, playing the Flying Squirrels. They came up with a win on the road. The Worcester Red Sox, or as they call them, the Woo Sox, which is just the dumbest thing ever, playing in their new ballpark in Worcester, Massachusetts, also making their debut last night. They took one on the chin. Uh, the uh, Portland Sea Dogs, the Red Sox, double-A affiliate loss as well. But it doesn't matter at this point. It's just nice to see uh, that baseball is back. And a lot of these communities that rely on, uh, for years have relied on minor league baseball as part of the fabric of that community and part of the economy of that community has got to be thrilled to have fans back. And now here in the state of Connecticut, they're going to have full capacity uh, at Yard Goat Stadium uh, as the restrictions are going to be lifted. So uh, exciting stuff 
nice to see baseball back. And I mean, you could tell everybody was excited on Twitter last night. We saw feeds uh, and and uh, uh, comments from minor league games all across the country. So much fun to watch. Uh, before we get to last night's Red Sox game, and it was a uh, well, it was it was a a fun game for the Sox on one hand and a little nail biting on the other hand. But before we get to that, I want to just take a second to talk about uh, something that happened in the NHL. Tom Wilson, who is, well, I, I don't want to call him a goon because he's, if he's a goon, he's the most talented goon in the history of the NHL. Goons are generally guys that can't score a lick just out there to beat the crap out of people. Uh, but Tom Wilson has been suspended uh, I want to say a half a dozen times in his career and got suspended earlier this year for an incident with the Bruins. Well, the other night he was in a dust up with the Rangers and uh, he got a double minor for roughing Pavel Buznevich and uh, literally punching. The, you watch the replays. He was punching him in the shoulders. He was punching him in the back. Uh, and then when one of his teammates come to try to defend him, Wilson picked him up and slammed him to the ice um, to the point where uh, it was uh, Artemi uh, Panarin. He's not going to be able to play the last three games of the season for the Rangers because of what Tom Wilson did. And somehow the NHL decided not to suspend Tom Wilson. They gave him a $5,000 fine, which is the max they can give under the collective bargaining agreement. He got a double minor for roughing and a 10-minute misconduct. But this is a guy that has a history. He's already done it this year. And how can you allow that? He body slammed a guy. He sucker punched a guy. And yet he escapes with a $5,000 fine. It's absolutely ridiculous. And the Player Safety Committee, or whatever the hell it's called, it's a joke, uh, is run by a guy by the name of uh, George Paros, who's the senior vice president for player safety. He let him get away with this. It's just unconscionable where we continue. I mean, look, I know fighting is part of the NHL. Dirty play is not. And what Tom Wilson does is dirty a lot of the time or borderline a lot of the time. How does he get away with this? And I'll tell you what, how bad was it? It was to the point where, and the Rangers are, I'm sure the Rangers are going to hear from Gary Bettman's office. But the Rangers put out a statement and, and said, and I quote, we are extremely disappointed that Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these types of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety George Paros and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. Um, yes. You know... Look, they cannot continue to allow this kind of thing in the NHL. You could ruin guys' careers. And Wilson loves to go at people's heads. He's, he's you know, 
created numerous concussions for dirty hits, and yet he continues to get away with this. This is a guy making $4 million a year, Tom Wilson, and you just find him $5,000. He wipes his butt with $100 bills, and you're finding him five k. And I get it. That's the most that they can, they can find him because of the collective bargaining agreement. But if you are the NHL Players Association, you cannot. Look, you cannot have this kind of thing going on in your league. And as the Players Association, they have got to go to Tom Wilson and say, dude, you've got to clean it up. This is a guy that doesn't belong in the NHL. I'm sorry. You know, look, he... he Back in 2018, he hit St. Louis forward Oscar Sundquist in the head with a vicious illegal check and got suspended for 20 games. And that initially, by the way, carried a million-dollar fine. An arbiter later reduced it to 14 games. But Sundquist hasn't been the same. And yet this guy, and, and he kept his nose clean for a while, but then it started up again last year and this year. When you've got a guy that is a repeat offender, how in the hell can you just find him $5,000, which is an absolute joke to him? And, you know, and his head coach, you know, is like, well, you know, he, he, you know, he, he got the discipline by the NHL. He'll pay his fine and we'll move on. Great. As a coach, as a teammate, how can you support this kind of play? I'm sorry. But it's just absolutely unconscionable that the NHL allowed this to happen and that he continues to get away with this type of behavior. And if the NHL was serious about wanting to clean up the game, they would do something about this guy. And the worst part about it is that he actually is a talented player. I mean, he, he he's a hard-nosed player. I get that, all right? And, and he's got some skills offensively. He can score a little bit. He's not a guy just going out there beating people up. That's the worst part of it. He doesn't need to play dirty. You know, and there's been guys in the NFL. Uh, uh, and Sue is a perfect example who's now on the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks and has, you know, suddenly rehabilitated himself because uh, he's on uh, the team with St. Brady. But Adamican Sue for years was known as the dirtiest player in the NFL. Got suspended multiple times, yet he still has a job. But somehow he seems to have cleaned his act up. And perhaps it's because his teammates and his coaches have said, hey, you want to have a job? You clean up your act. You continue this, we're going to cut you. You know, so it's also, you know, while the NHL front office is partially responsible for this, there's some self-policing that could go on here with his teammates and his coaches. So there's there's... Plenty of uh, uh, blame to go around. But it's just absolutely ridiculous. 
And if you're the Bruins, you're thinking, Jesus, we may have to play these guys in the first round of the NHL playoffs. That's really what I want. They would have loved to see Wilson get suspended for a while and keep him out of the playoffs. And maybe that's why they didn't, because the playoffs are coming along and they didn't want to penalize the team as a whole. But I, don't, I disagree with that, because the team is partially responsible for policing this moron. And you know what? If he was standing right in front of me, I'd tell him, you know, what the hell's the matter with you? You know, I mean, I'm 60 years old, and I'd stand up to this guy and say, hey, knock it off. You're an embarrassment to this team. And I know that there's got to be plenty of guys on his team that just shake their heads at his antics, and yet he continues to get away with it. And every time I hear their head coach or one of their players defend this guy, you know, it makes me it makes me sick, and it makes me... Uh, you know, and my, my niece is a big Washington Capitals fan. I, I, you know, it makes me hate that team. I mean, that there's not a team, you know, uh, other than the New York Yankees that I perhaps detest more than the Washington Capitals simply because of this moron and because this team allows him to continue this behavior and nobody takes care of business and polices this guy. And shame on them. All right, let's move on. Uh, the Red Sox last night. In what should and looked in the beginning was going to be a snoozer, the Red Sox decided to make it <laughs> exciting. They jumped on Michael Fulmer, the starter for the Detroit Tigers, for four runs in the first inning. Fulmer couldn't get out of the first. He pitched two-thirds of an inning, and A.J. Hinch had to come get him. He gave up four hits, uh, walked a guy, and the Red Sox were just having a party, and said so they got him out. Now, the Tigers came back, scored a couple in the top of the second off of Nick Pavetta, who had trouble with his control early in the game. But the Red Sox scored three more in the bottom of the second. They're leading 7-2. to two. They build that lead up to 9-3 to three at the end of five. It looks like it is just going to be a cakewalk. But then Austin Bryce came in the game. Austin Bryce came out of the bullpen, gives up four runs. In a third of an inning, got one out, gives up four runs. Matt Andrees comes in, strikes out a couple of guys to get out of the inning, but gives up a hit that allows uh, a couple of runs to score, or one, another run to score, I should say. And then, fortunately, Adam Adovino, uh calms things down in the seventh. Darwins and Hernandez comes out in the eighth, can't find the strike zone with a compass, walks a couple of guys. They've got to go get their closer. In a game they were leading 9-3 to in the fifth inning, they have to go get their closer, Matt Barnes, in the eighth inning and ask him to get five outs so they can beat a team that is 8-22. and The Detroit Tigers are 8-22, and and the Red Sox had to get a five-out save against these guys. Now, fortunately, Matt Barnes, who was the American League reliever of the month for April and has been a different pitcher this year, was great. He comes in with a couple of guys on base and one out. What's he do? He throws two pitches, gets a double play ball, gets out of the eighth, comes out in the ninth, strikes out a guy, gets the other two outs. He throws 16 pitches, gets five outs. That's efficiency. So now, if they want to go back to him today, they can because he only had to throw 16 pitches. Obviously, they'd probably rather stay away from him today. But this is a game that, that this should have been a piece of cake. 
And here's the problem. You know, the Red Sox bullpen was great early in the season, right? And it was part of the reason that they have been so successful. The problem is that this Red Sox bullpen is getting way too much work. And I think guys are being asked to do more than they have had to do for the majority of their careers. And they are hitting a brick wall. You know, Austin Bryce is, you know, he is not uh, uh, some shutdown reliever, never has been. Matt Andrees is a guy that's had some success, but he's a guy, uh, you know, that has been asked to pitch way too much. Adam Adovino is a guy that's, you know, struggling to find his form again. Darwinson Hernandez is a guy that he had three straight outings of, you know, nothing. And you're thinking, well, now he's turned the corner and he shows us yesterday that he is still what he is. But the Red Sox continue to have pitchers go five innings, maybe pitch into the sixth a little bit. They are being asked to go to the bullpen far, far too often. Nick Pavetta threw 100 pitches in five innings. Now, he struck out eight, but he gave up six hits and a couple of walks, and you know he had guys all over the base pass. If it weren't for a couple of double plays, uh, he, probably doesn't get out, he probably doesn't get the win because he can't get through five innings. So that's got to be concerning if you're a Red Sox fan that they continue to have to go to this bullpen as often as they do. And, you know, uh, I mean, the good news for yesterday, Hunter Renfro finally found his stroke a little bit. Went three for four yesterday. He's got six hits now in his last three games. He's got his batting average up to two twenty-two. Woo! But he was a triple away from the cycle last night. But he showed some signs, which was great. You love the fact that J.D. Martinez keeps hitting. He had a couple of hits. Xander Bogarts with a bomb. He had a couple of hits. You know, everybody kind of got involved in the hit parade with the exception of Christian Arroyo. And Arroyo, you know, even though he went 0 for 4, played some great defense yesterday. Bobby Dahlbeck continues to struggle. Went 0 for 4. He's hitting 190. You know, so... The Red Sox need to win all three of these games. I mean, look, it's a win. I don't want to make it sound like they lost the game last night. You know, you'll take the win any way you can get it. And they go to 18 and 12. They have Martin Perez, their number five guy, starting tonight, which makes you a little nervous. That's if they're able to play the game. Weather is a little iffy for tonight. But 18 and 12, if they can sweep three, they go 20 and 12. They go on the road this weekend to play the Baltimore Orioles, the team that's in last place in the American League East. They win two out of three down there. Look, the Red Sox have an opportunity here to extend their lead a little bit or at least uh, show people that that one run they went on there where they, uh, after losing that opening series where they went on a tear, that that wasn't some kind of fluke. Now, I know I've said, look, all they got to do is play 500 ball the rest of the season and they're going to end up in the playoffs, which is true. But at the same time, you know, you've got to take advantage of opportunities against teams like the Tigers that are 8-22 and 22 and that have lost nine of the last ten. Six in a row and nine of ten. So they've got to win that one tonight with Martin Perez, and then they come back with Nate Evaldi for the series finale, they should sweep this series. But last night showed you that the Red Sox like to make things interesting. Uh, the good news for Boston yesterday, Chris Sale 
uh, who is down in Florida now working on his uh, rehab from Tommy John surgery, actually threw off a mound yesterday. Uh, and it was just some soft toss, but he had, you know, he's part of his throwing program, and he got up on the mound yesterday and threw for the first time. Great news. Uh, it means he's getting closer. Uh, it's a major step for him. You know, look, I think if, if, if he comes back in August and is able to give the Red Sox anything down the stretch, it's going to be a huge shot in the arm for this team. So let's hope there's no more setbacks. He had some issues with the neck and the back. But when you've been off for the better part of a year after having, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, Tommy John surgery before that, some other injuries, and you haven't really pitched, you're going to have some soreness in other places. So that's some good news for the Red Sox. And uh, uh, as far as the bullpen goes, look, there's nobody down in the minors that's going to come to the rescue. So what this team needs to do is they need to start getting their starters to go more than five innings. They've got to be able to give these guys a bit of a break. They can't keep continuing to go to the well, you know, with this bullpen every day. I mean, and look, you're going into today's game with Martin Perez. If you get five innings out of him, you consider yourself lucky. But when you look at, you know, right now, uh, you know, Andres threw 16 pitches. Adovino threw 17 pitches. Barn threw 16 pitches. You've already gone to three of your top relievers yesterday. So who's left for today? Well, they'll probably throw Garrett Whitlock today if they need to. I mean, he's only given up one run all season. He's been great. But where else are you going to go? You know, you might have to go back to some of these guys today, and then you're going to have to put the pressure on Ivaldi if, if you have to bring some of these guys in in back-to-back games. You know, Thursday could be really dicey. So, uh, the Yankees and the Houston Astros yesterday. Uh, Yankees win the game 7-3, but that's not what matters. This was the first time that the Astros have had to play the Yankees uh, in Yankee Stadium with fans since the whole cheating scandal broke. And the Yankee fans, as you would expect, were absolutely brutal on the Astros last night. Brutal. Uh, as you would expect in New York, vendors outside selling all kinds of merchandise with uh, 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 shirts with, uh, you know, naughty sayings on them and foam fingers with one digit raised, and you know what digit I'm talking about. Uh, fans went near the uh, Rastos dugout for batting practice and just savaging these guys. Uh, they uh, one of the I saw one guy brought a a inflatable garbage can that was seized by security. Uh, there was one whole group of spectators that when the Astros came up to bat, they turned their backs to the field so that they didn't look at the Astros when they were hitting. Just turn their backs. Which, by the way, that either takes balls or you're dumber than a box of rocks because you're going to turn your backs. <laughs> When somebody could be, you know, hitting a, a wicked fu- line drive into the stands with your back turned, and you're going to take one to the back of the coconut, but hey, whatever. Uh, but uh, they were, uh, and they were killing Alex Bregman, uh, who made a big error in the game that blew it open as the Yankees scored four runs in the bottom of the six to blow the game open. They end up winning it seven to three. Um, it's a three-game series, so I would imagine it's going to be just as entertaining tonight. Zach Greinke, a disappointing outing for Houston last night. Uh, Jordan Montgomery will pitch for the Yankees tonight against the rookie Luis Garcia, who is 0-3 for Houston, but he's got an ERA at 2.70, so he's been pretty good. Uh, so that will be the middle game coming up tonight. But, boy, that was 
that was entertaining to watch Yankee fans last night. It's 33 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. Um, the New York Mets did not play last night. They got rained out at St. Louis. I guess in some ways it's a bit of a break. Uh, they were supposed to start Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher in baseball last night, but they scratched him because of tightness uh, in his right side. They did an MRI yesterday. They saw some swelling in his lat area, so they are going to give him uh, what they have called a few days off, which essentially means that he will uh, his spot will come up again in five days. And if he's ready to go, they'll, you know, they'll go forward then. But don't be surprised if he misses one more start after that. They're going to be very, very cautious. Um, look, there's, there's definitely an issue in Major League Baseball this year. Ken Rosenthal had a piece this morning in the, the Athletic about injuries this year. And they're comparing it to 2019 since last year was a short season. But the number of players that have gone on the injured list already this year is up like 22% from the same time in 2019. Now, it could be an anomaly, but it also could be that when you look at what happened last year, and, and I don't, I'm not sure that I, uh, that I want to blame it on last year where it was the short season and now guys are going to be asked to pitch more and, and hit more and play more innings than they did all of last year. If this was happening later in the season, I would say, okay, it's because of the pandemic, right? Because guys, you know, only played 60 games last year. You're, you're asking to extend themselves this year. So, you know, maybe things are, you know, that's why. But this is April. This is they've played 30 games, you know, or, you know, just about 30 games. I don't think it has anything to do with last year. I think it is just something. It, injuries happen. So, you know, I, Ken's trying to make a big point in the thing this morning about uh, the number of injuries and, and trying to allude to, you know, what happened last year, but I don't think you can draw that parallel yet. I really don't. I think it's just, you know, it's, it's happening. Guys get hurt period. Um, and some of it could be cold weather. You know, it's been a chilly spring here in the Northeast and you're asking guys to go out and play in weather that is sometimes 35, 40 degrees stuff happens. So, uh, I don't really believe that this has anything to do, the injuries have anything to do with the pandemic season. You know, now come, you know, July, August, when you're stretching out guys that threw maybe, you know, 50 innings last year and you're asking them to throw 150 this year, you know, maybe I could see it then, but not yet. Not yet. So anyway, DeGrom scratched yesterday. Mets didn't play, but what the Mets did do yesterday, they fired their hitting coaches. Uh, Chili Davis got fired yesterday. Um, the hitting coach uh, along with his assistant and the Mets players are not happy. Tom Slater was, was his assistant and, uh, look, the Mets are struggling offensively. There is no question about that. They've been getting decent pitching, uh, and they're not going to fire the manager yet. So this is the, this is the first shot across the bow to 
their manager. You know, uh, they're trying to make some changes because this team, after signing Francisco Lindor and having him come out and hitting, you know, 190 at this point in the season, you know, much is expected of this Mets team, and they're 11 and 12 right now. And, you know, a brand-new owner that has dropped a ton of cash, how patient is he going to be? So, Chili Davis is out, Tom Slater is out, and they have brought in Hugh Quattlebaum, their minor league director of hitting development. Uh, they promoted him uh, to their new hitting coach. So, uh, will it make a difference? Tend to doubt it. But again, you know, as I say all the time, players play. And at the end of the day, the coaches pay the price when players don't perform. And you're not going to tell me that Chili Davis and Tom Slater are the only reason that this team is not hitting. All right. I mean, look, these guys are professional hitters. Francisco Lindor is an all star. He didn't forget how to hit overnight. And Chili Davis and Tom Slater are not the answer to. Uh, the fact that Francisco Lindor is hitting 190. Why is Francisco Lindor hitting 190? Well, he's in a slump. But also, don't forget, he is seeing a whole bunch of pitchers that he has never seen before. He played in the American League his entire career. And I know there's a little crossover with interleague play, but the majority of the pitchers that he is seeing now are guys he's never seen before. And watching a guy on video to get ready to face him is not the same as facing him live. So this isn't on Chili Davis and Tom Slater. But they paid the price nonetheless. Uh, Other action from yesterday, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays uh, win. And they keep pace with the Red Sox. They are now two and a half games back. They are tied in second place with the New York Yankees behind the Red Sox. They beat uh, the Angels team yesterday. Uh, by a final of 8-3, to three. the Angels, very sloppy defensively in this game, made four errors. Four errors. Uh, five of the, uh, they gave up five earned runs, so three of the runs they gave up were unearned. Um, Alex Cobb got the start for the Angels and pitched fairly well. Only gave up two hits and two runs, but both runs he gave up were unearned. Now, he hurt himself as he walked five. Um, but the Rays get a couple of home runs in this game from Austin Meadows, his sixth and seventh of the season, and the Rays move to one game over 500 now. And uh, the Toronto Blue Jays fall yesterday to the Oakland Athletics, 4-1 to one. on the road. Marcus Semyon making his return to Oakland, the team that he played for for most of his career and then signed as a free agent with Toronto. Uh, but the story of this game was Cole Irvin, Cole Irvin's a guy that was kind of a uh, uh, a throw-in. Uh, he was acquired in January from the Phillies, you know, and they 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 got him thinking that he was going to provide some minor league depth for this athletics team, and in te- instead he has turned into a vital member of this rotation. Um, he's three and three now after the win yesterday. He gave up just three hits and one run, struck out nine. Uh, but uh, he has an ERA of just 3.09 this season. I mean, this guy has been um, quite a surprise for the Oakland Athletics, Uh, and the A's got all the offense that they needed in the second inning, scoring four runs, a two-run double by Jed Lowry, 
and a two-run home run by former Sox first baseman Mitch Moreland. All the runs in the game for Oakland, but it was all they needed as uh, as Irvin was ridiculous, and then Yasmero Petit came on to pitch a scoreless ninth to pick up his first save of the season. So uh, the Blue Jays, with that loss, uh, now fall to... 14 and 14 they are in fourth place in the american league east but look i mean like i said even the Orioles who are in last place are only four games out of first so uh, a lot of mediocrity continues in major league baseball uh and boy talk about a team that has got to be scratching its head right now off the news that dustin may uh their young right-handed starter is going to need tommy john surgery he will be lost for the next year uh the dodgers are trying to figure things out they got swept in a doubleheader yesterday by the Chicago Cubs. They lost the first game 7-1 to one in a game that was started by Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw had the shortest outing of his career yesterday. He lasted just one inning. One inning. Gave up four hits, four runs, walked a couple of guys, and uh, Oakland, or excuse me, Oakland, Chicago beat him 7-1 to one. Uh, Kyle Hendricks picks up the win for the Cubs. He went seven innings. Uh, it was a seven-inning game because it was a doubleheader, uh, but he gave up just one run on seven hits while striking out six, picked up his second win of the season. He needed that. He had been struggling quite a bit this year. Then in the second game, the Cubs were leading this thing one nothing going into the final inning in the seventh inning of game two. The Dodgers tied it up on a home run uh, by Max Muncy off of uh, – uh, closer, yeah, lost my lost my mind for a minute. Closer, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, they tie it up. It goes into extra innings. The Dodgers scored two in the top of the eighth, so it looks like they're in control. Well, not so fast uh, because uh, relief pitcher uh, Mitch White gives up a couple of runs in the bottom of the eighth inning, so they go to another extra frame in the ninth. The Cubs end up winning at 4-3. to three. They sweep the doubleheader. The Dodgers have now fallen to 17-14. and 14. They have lost 8 of 10. This is a team that everybody thought was going to run away and hide, and early in the season that looked like exactly what was going to happen, and now the Dodgers can't get out of their own way. Uh, as And look, uh, they've got plenty of pitching depth. They're going to be fine. This offense is going to figure it out. But it just, you know, I mean, nobody could have thought that the San Francisco Giants would be in first place in the NL West right now at 18 and 12. The Padres, the team that everybody else thought was going to fight for the American or the National League West crown, they've struggled as well. Uh, they lost again yesterday to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, so right now, San Francisco enjoying themselves as they sit atop uh, the NL West at 18 and 12. And uh, how about this yesterday? With all the talk of the Universal DH. Right. And pitchers shouldn't be hitting anymore. Yada, yada, yada. And look, and by the way, you know, one day does not a trend make. But how about yesterday with what the pitchers did? Uh, Huskar Yanoa, rookie pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. He's 22 years old. Hit a grand slam home run yesterday. And when I tell you he hit a home run, it was a no-doubter. So he hits the bomb, uh, and the uh, the Braves end up winning the game 6-1. to one. Four of the runs driven home uh, by Yanoa in that sixth inning. 
And then Yanoa goes out and pitches seven innings, gives up four hits and just one run, and it was an unearned run to pick up his third win of the season. So, not to be outdone, Dylan Cease, the starting pitcher for the Chicago White Sox yesterday, the only reason he had to hit, well, it was an interleague game, and they were playing at Cincinnati. Well, Dylan Cease went out and pitched six shutout innings. He struck out 11 and only gave up one hit in those six innings. But at the plate, he went three for three. So, so you know, with the grand slam, Dylan Cease with a perfect three for three day, and uh, the pitchers in Major League Baseball are saying, "Please don't take our bats away, at least not today." It is forty-eight minutes past the hour. We're gonna take another break. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. It's fifty minutes past the hour here on a Wednesday morning. Breaking news: uh, Facebook has decided to continue the suspension of Donald Trump from its platform, uh, at least for now. Their oversight board met uh, this morning and decided to uphold the ban, uh, at least for the next six months. Uh, while upholding the ban, they did say that. Uh, they felt that uh, the way that Facebook did it was not correct, and they are going to give uh, Facebook six months uh, to address the suspension and come up with more concrete rules uh, about the suspension. They did say, look, a couple of the tweets that he sent out during the insurrection were uh, you know, grossly negligent and definitely violated the terms of service. So uh, they're upholding the suspension, but it, it's not forever, but it is at least for the next six months. So uh, we can go at least six more months for and not see him on Facebook. And uh, Twitter is still uh, still hasn't banned, so <laughs> we'll see. But uh, that's kind of a breath of fresh air this morning. Uh, the Bruins, a tough loss last night, a bad loss last night, quite frankly. Uh, they lose to the New Jersey Devils 4-3. to three in overtime, a game that uh, the Bruins led 2-1 uh, to one at the end of the second period. New Jersey tied it up about midway through the third period. Uh, Jesper Vo- uh, Boquist with a goal uh, at 9-10. And Sean Corrali gave the Bruins the lead back, and then Yaroslav uh, Halak gave one up with uh, about seven minutes to play, and then the Devils win it in overtime. The Bruins had actually committed a penalty in the overtime period. So the Devils pulled their goalie to bring on an extra skater. Bruins never touched the puck, so the whistle didn't blow to start the penalty. They ended up scoring with the extra attacker on the ice uh, at 2.42 of the overtime period. Pavel Zaka with the goal, and the Bruins lose. They get a point because they took it into overtime before they lost, but that was an opportunity last night. Uh, perhaps for the Bruins to get an extra point. They now sit in third place in the Eastern Division uh, with 69 points, a couple of games behind the hated Washington Capitals, a team, as I said, right now the Bruins would play them in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, They do have one more game left with Washington. They have a couple of games left with the Islanders, uh, or I mean with the Rangers. The Bruins could still win the division, but they are going to have to win out. The Pittsburgh Penguins continue to lead with 73 points. The Bruins with 69, but that's a valuable, valuable point uh, they let get away in that game last night, and it may end up uh, turning around uh, to bite them in the fannies. Let's hope not. Uh, other baseball news, by the way. Uh, Christian Yelich, uh, former MVP star for the Milwaukee Brewers, 
came off the DL on um, Monday. Guess what? Back on the DL yesterday. Uh, he has re-injured his back, and uh, that lower back strain has bothered him for the last three weeks. Uh, he is back on it again, and so the Brewers are going to be without him. The Brewers are still playing well, despite the fact that they haven't had Yelich. Um, they were 17-12 and 12 going into yesterday's game. They ended up losing to the uh, Philadelphia Phillies yesterday, 6-5. Uh, to five. A, uh, a strong start for Aaron Nola for the uh, Phillies last night. Struck out 10 and only allowed just one run over six innings. And uh, the Phillies get the win. But that is a big blow for the Milwaukee Brewers. Look, again, they've been playing well without him. But obviously, uh, uh, a guy that that's talented, you want to get him back uh, on the field as quickly as you can. I referenced the fact that the Padres lost yesterday 2-1. Uh, to one. The good news for the Padres is they got Danilson Lamette back last night uh, off the DL. Uh, he made the start for San Diego. They only let him go uh, two innings just to get his feet wet, but he threw 30 pitches in two innings. He gave up four hits, but he didn't give up any runs, didn't walk anybody, strike out anybody. But just the fact they got him back out onto the mound was a beautiful thing uh, for the Padres last night. But uh, Mitch Keller with a strong start for the Pirates last night, went five and two-thirds innings, just two hits, uh, struck out five. The Pirates get uh, a run in the third and a run in the sixth. And uh, they beat the Padres by a final of two to one. Um, again, the Padres are going to be fine, uh, and and I think that it's part of the whole offensive dearth that we were talking about. That there's a lot of swinging and missing going on, and I don't know what the answer to that is. But it was a great talk last night on the Red Sox pregame show. They had Mo Vaughn on last night and talking about the approach to the game today about how guys don't try to hit the ball the other way about how everybody is teaching kids to swing up at the ball. And, uh, you know, look, move on said, stop tinkering with the game. Don't move the mound. Don't move the bases. Don't do any of this stuff. Let's just get back to playing this game the way it has been played for 150 years. And, you know, he's right to a point. I get it. But, you know, people are bigger, stronger, faster. They are throwing harder. There's no question about that. But Mo Vaughn's answer was not moving the mound back a foot, which is what they're going to try as an experiment in the Atlantic League this year. And I, and as I said, I'm kind of for this because I think they have to do something. But Mo Vaughn seemed to intimate yesterday that he thinks the answer to the whole problem is banning shifts. So uh, having to keep two infielders on either side of second base no longer allowing to you know if you're your left-handed batters up and you know he's a pull hitter being able to put three uh guys over on the right side of the infield have one of them play in short you know right field uh you know banning that because he thinks what's happening is is the reason guys are trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark and swinging from their heels is because they're trying to hit it over the shift the teams are their analytics departments are saying to them Beat the shift by hitting the ball out of the ballpark. It's okay if you strike out. We'd rather you do that than hit the ball on the ground into a double play. So teams are telling guys it's okay to strike out. If they ban the shifts, that advantage or that, you know, having to hit it uh, over the shift and hit it out of the ballpark, that goes away, and maybe guys get back to just trying to hit the ball where it's pitched instead of trying to force their will on the baseball. It, fair point. I just don't know if Major League Baseball has the guts to ban shifts. I hope they do. 
But I think Mo Vaughn made a very, very good point on the Red Sox show last night. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow morning with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Sam Dostler will join us tomorrow to talk about the new Super League that's being considered for uh, uh, professional golf. Uh, so we'll have him on tomorrow to talk about that. We leave you this morning with some music from Nick Fradiani, kid from right here in Connecticut, one uh, American Idol. Uh, here's a single he released called It's a Beautiful Life. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.